Listen and follow the Left Wing Rugby podcast with me, Will Slattery and Luke Fitzgerald. As far as I can see, I always want to get in the Irish team. And that should be every young player's dream and ambition in this country. And if you're playing in a place where you're not going to get the opportunities in the big games, that they're the ones that get you picked. They are the ones, the Champions Cup games are the ones that get you picked. You need to be playing in a team and starting in a team for those games. It's as simple as that if you want to play in the Irish team. Every week on Apple, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Leia Healthcare, looking after you always. Proud sponsors of Real Health with Carl Henry. Hello, welcome to Real Health with me, Carl Henry, in association with Leia Healthcare. This week, we're dedicating a whole episode to female health. We're talking about hormones, fertility, why carbs are so important in a woman's diet, and the impact of over-exercising. Joining me today is nutritionist Dr. Michelle Hone. Michelle is the founder of the Fit Clinic and is an expert in women's health. Michelle, welcome to the show. How's it going? I'm good. Thanks so much for having me, Carl. I'm looking forward to this. People request a certain topics all the time. When we put out a call out on Instagram or the email account for the website, we get this request all the time for an episode like this. This is going to be very topical and very important. So let's get stuck in. I suppose the key question to start with, should women be treating their health and fitness differently to men? That's the, the crux of it. Let's start there. Yes, 100%. And I think this is where the kind of confusion and misinformation lies. So you'll know yourself very often with research, any of the health related research, any of the performance related research, it's all done in men. And the reason for that is because women are just a little bit unpredictable, unpredictable when it comes to their hormones and their menstrual cycle, because they fluctuate over the course of your cycle. And so because they're very much excluded from research, that means that all of the research is done in men. And we just take what's been founded in men and extrapolated and apply it to women and it doesn't it I suppose it that's where we're doing ourselves a disservice so if you look at something like the fasting research or the low carbohydrate research most of that research has been done in men and there's actually a really good um there's a really good um woman here she has a PhD in nutrition as well her name is Dr Stacey Sims really good as your follower and her um her quote is always women are not small men so what we mean by that is we're not just a shrunk down version of the male physiology Our female physiology is completely different and we need to really honor our hormones. And that's the kind of nuts and bolts of it. I've read her book. I have her book inside. It's really, really yeah. good. It's excellent. It's fascinating. So really good. talk to me about calorie deficits then. So again, most people, when the, in terms of weight loss, they always look at calorie deficits. They'll, they use my fitness pal. It'll throw some stupid number at them. And yeah, that generally is, you know, doesn't really, it doesn't really uh, calculate properly what mm-hmm. the amount of calories they need. Do women need to be careful about this? Yes, 100%. So with um, kind of, we have to be so careful when it comes to, again, like slashing calories. With men, it's fine. They'll lose weight. They'll see the results. With women, yes, you'll see the results very often, but we're sacrificing our our, our hormones really. And our hormones are really sensitive to stress. And I suppose when we think about stress, we automatically just think about our psychological stressors. But what I always say to clients is, our stressors are also a calorie deficit, fasting, time-restricted feeding, not eating maybe food groups like your fats, your carbohydrates, over-exercising, under-sleeping. So our body sees all of these things as stressors. And what can very often happen is when we have too many of those stressors, our stress bucket is essentially too full and it really knocks out our female hormones. So we're essentially telling our body it, it switches off our menstrual cycle, essentially in order to preserve energy for like basic survival, like basic kind of functions such as breathing and digestion so it's not our body sees it as almost like a secondary function so that's why it's not 
overly a priority when we really do slash the calories. And, are, and do you see a lot of this with your clients in terms of hormonal issues from overexercising, undereating, undernourishing? Yes, 100%. If I could just take away everybody's like stress and everybody's like kind of drive to undereat and underfeel themselves and overexercise, like I would just sort everybody's problems out really. So 100%, I really, really do see it quite often. And talk to me about the knowledge that people have. It's obviously, in, in my own opinion, it would be a very underknowledged area. People don't know enough about it. They don't know about how exercise or food can impact their hormones. And do you think that's the case? A hundred percent. Yeah, I really, really do. And I don't know, like I suppose without going down the, the complicated rabbit, rabbit hole of being in a patriarchal society potentially, but I don't know if we're maybe not educated enough in school or if it's maybe like periods and menstrual cycles very much a taboo subject so I feel like I suppose even doing stuff like this like doing these kind of podcasts and this kind of media is really getting getting the the word out there and I suppose one thing to like bear in mind is that sometimes like or very often um our menstrual cycle or a period is considered our fifth vital sign so our, our, our other four vital signs are our breathing rate our heart rate our temperature and our blood pressure so if you had a roaring high temperature or if your heart rate was all over the place you'd probably go to the emergency room or you'd probably go to your GP and ask them what's going wrong because that's essentially your body's way of telling you that there's something wrong but when women have periods that are all over the place maybe they're irregular maybe they're absent altogether or maybe they have feel like they have really really bad PMS that is our body's way of telling you okay there's something wrong so like our the health of our period and the health of our cycle is almost like I, I would call it like a barometer for our health so it's a really good way of like gauging okay how am I doing in terms of my health it's a real telltale sign so if it's not there or if it's irregular or if you're getting really bad symptoms it's really important to just stop and listen. Okay, and what are the, the consequences then? So say, for example, if your periods are irregular or if they stop altogether, chat me through the consequences of that. Because yeah, people, the Q&A that we do on Instagram, people ask me that all the time. And I tagged you a couple of times over the course of the last few weeks because they're as questions, they're coming in more and more, yeah. which is fascinating to see. Yeah, absolutely. So I suppose... I, like, I suppose years ago maybe we we only really saw like having a normal menstrual cycle and having normal ovulation as like this is what you need to get pregnant but we know from the research that having a normal menstrual cycle is so important for bone health so anyone who struggles with who has struggled with hypothalamic amenorrhea so what I mean by that is probably easier to just call it HA from now on <laughs> so hypothalamic amenorrhea is essentially when your period's been absent for like three more than three to six months and having HA um over a prolonged period of time can be really really detrimental for our bone mineral density and it can lead to like kind of consequences down the line like osteoporosis when we're older so that's just one example and then also on top of that um our cardiovascular health like our estrogen or progesterone they're really important for like our heart health our mental health as well so if we don't have those fluctuations in our hormones we're essentially like our hormones are flatlining over the course of a month and that's that's when you get like low mood and depression and anxiety. So these hormones have a protective um, effect against our mental health as well. And then the other thing is low libido. So like, I suppose our estrogen rises in the first half of our cycle and it really like pushes us to go out and have sex essentially. And if we don't have, again, those fluctuations in our hormones, our libido and our, our sex drive is just flatlined and that's going to have repercussions for our relationship. So it's not as simple as ovulation is for getting pregnant. 
And it is important to reassure people that it is possible to get your menstrual cycle back on track into a regular uh, pattern. Yes, absolutely. So when we're talking about, um, when I talk about HA or hypothalamic amenorrhea, I'm really talking about functional hypothalamic amenorrhea. And what that means is there's something going on behaviorally, be it over-exercising, under-fueling or stressing that's causing our hypoth- causing our, our hypothalamus to kind of shut down our reproduction. So when we're talking about functional hypothalamic amenorrhea, amenorrhea, it means that it's, it's, it, we can really salvage it and we can we can go back and figure out okay sit down figure out what it is that that's going on and stop the over exercising start to feel our body correctly start to manage our stressors and then it can absolutely like it, it's very very simple simple but not necessarily easy to recover from ha and of course there are different types of stressors so it's not just this was yeah you know work stress or life stress uh exercising too much and exercising in itself is putting a, a stress on the body and a level of stress on the body yeah, hundred percent. And I suppose we we kind of I suppose we have our our two um kind of autonomic nervous systems. We have our our sympathetic nervous system, which is like our fight or flight response, and then we have our parasympathetic, which is kind of termed our rest and digest. And when we are in our kind of our I suppose our fight or flight response is essentially there to prepare us to fight a predator or to run away. And when we're in a chronic stress environment and when we're maybe over exercising or under eating, we're kind of constantly sitting in this fight or flight response state. And that is what's detrimental for our hormones. That's what switches off kind of this interaction between the ovaries and the hypothalamic amenorrhea. So what I tend to say to clients is don't exercise like you're being chased by a bear. If you're if your period is is all over the place or if you're having really bad PMS, then that's the worst thing you can do because our body doesn't understand the difference between running away from a bear and doing high intensity interval training. So you're essentially saying to your body, like God, or our body is saying to us, God, she's running away from a bear like five times a week when really we're just doing HIIT training. But I suppose just to kind of outline as well that this isn't saying that nobody no women can do HIIT training or no no women can do fasting or a calorie deficit but it's really about looking at the cumulative load of these stresses and really just having to sit down and seeing okay is this kind of pushing me over the edge like maybe we can do HIIT if we just maybe manage our calories that little bit, bit better or don't do intermittent fasting so definitely not to kind of scare people away from hit and calorie restriction but just bear in mind that our hormones are sensitive some people's hormones are more sensitive than others and just something to bear in mind when when you're kind of designing your nutrition and and exercise protocol yeah of course what's about you know reading your own body and learning what works for you we're all different and finding you know finding your feet with what works for you and what doesn't work for you folks you're listening to real health with me carl henry in association with leia healthcare let's chat all things body fat very yeah. topical, very popular. If people want to lose body fat, do men and women lose body fat the same way? Is it more difficult for women? I'd so be I fascinated suppose, with the answer on this one. Yeah. So just to start with, I suppose we distribute fat in different areas. And bear in mind, I suppose um, men would have predominantly, their, their predominant hormone would be testosterone, whereas ours, ours would be estrogen and progesterone. So estrogen in itself is a fat storage hormone, unfortunately. And I suppose the reason for that is because, and the reason women will tend to hold on to fat a little bit more, just to distribute it in different ways, is to essentially prepare us for childbearing, to prepare us for pregnancy, for providing, I suppose, the the nourishment to a baby and also then to follow on with breastfeeding we, we essentially need a, a higher body fat um in terms of do um 
do women lose it at the same rate as men? No, so unfortunately not. So with men, they would have a higher metabolic rate. So they burn through more calories in a given day. And there's a couple of reasons for this. And I suppose the main reason would be they have a higher lean body mass. So if you think about it, our muscles are, it's a metabolic, metabolically active tissue. So it's constantly burning through calories and women will find it, not only will they have less, um, less lean muscle mass naturally, but they'll find it harder to put that on. And um, so if they, fo- if they follow a resistance training um, program similar to a man, inevitably a man is going to put on lean muscle mass tissue and increase his metabolic rate that bit faster um so that's um that's definitely one way um that i suppose men men find it easier to to lose weight um the other one as well is that men would have a consistent kind of calorie burn over the course of a given month whereas we know that due to like hormonal fluctuations women will find that they will burn more calories in the kind of like later um, phase of their cycle so that's all like this is again like knowledge is power it's really good to know this information there's a reason that when you're kind of approaching that PMS phase to coming kind of towards your menstrual cycle you will burn more calories and therefore you will tend to crave more food so it's really important, again, that we honor our hormones, honor that hunger and give our body what it needs. So it's not a case that we're we're kind of we're giving in and, and we're, we're binging, if that makes sense. Absolutely. Uh, it's sleep. Very important. It, the, the crux that so much of our health is built on is becoming more and more trendy as we go on from uh, but men and women. It's obviously it's, it's incredibly important. But again, talk about the importance, particularly for women around sleep. Women and sleep. Yes. Again, it just comes back to our hormones. So with our with sleep, essentially, what you're doing is you're you're lowering your cortisol. And again, if we if our cortisol is elevated, it's essentially going to wreak havoc with our with our with our um brain output of of our hormones. So sleep is so so important to um to to have intact. Um, the other thing is sleep is obviously going to regulate our leptin and our ghrelin, which is our satiety and our hunger hormones. So you will find that after a bad night's sleep, you're inevitably going to be reaching for like those kind of high sugar like high sugar foods, high carb foods and caffeine, unfortunately. And it kind of like, I suppose when I would always try and get clients to kind of follow a more like moderate carbohydrate diet, that would be very much like lower GI. And the reason for that is if we follow like a lower GI, so a slower releasing um, carbohydrate foods, it means that we don't kind of send ourselves on this like high sugar, low sugar cascade, like roller coaster over the course of the day. So what goes up must go down. So if we start the morning with a really like high carb high carbohydrate or high high sugar breakfast inevitably what's going to happen is our our blood sugar is going to drop and then when it drops um we're tired we're hangry and inevitably we're going to reach for more sugary foods and it kind of sends us on this kind of um as i said this this sugar um sugar craving roller coaster um so that's something to bear in mind as well great uh, you know great advice great content uh, in terms of fertility then let's, let, let's take the conversation there for a lot of people they will think it's just folic acid that you know they think fertility and they think fol- folic acid it's a whole lot more than that yes absolutely so there is so much that you can do in terms of health when it comes to i suppose um that kind of window before you try for a baby so when it comes to women we have this window maybe like it's in and around we think it's three to four months where it's a window of opportunity to really optimize 
the health of the egg. It goes through this maturation process before we ovulate, before it's released. And we have this really, um, really good window where we can really optimize the health of the egg. And the same with sperm. So that's in and around a two to three month window. And nutrition, exercise and supplementation can have a really, really significant positive effect. Um, the other thing would be, I suppose, in terms of nutrition, like if there was, I'm always asked, like, what, what is the ideal diet to follow for fertility? And it, I suppose if there was one diet, we don't necessarily know. There is some research behind a Mediterranean diet that would definitely be the best protocol to follow. And um, so that's the foods that we know are good for us. So our fruit, our veg, our whole grains, our lean meats, our fish are a um, little bit of dairy and our eggs so all of those really really good high fiber high nutrient foods and um, the other thing would be I would be more inclined to take um take a prenatal with a kind of that is com combined with um with your your not just your folic acid so combined with um your other b vitamins your iodine they're all really really important for preconception as well um Again, like I suppose coming back to your exercise, just not exercising like you're being chased by a bear. So we want to tell our body like this is a safe environment to bring a baby into. So if you're killing on the treadmill and doing loads of high intensity interval training and slashing your calories, it's essentially like telling your body this is not a healthy environment to bring a baby into. So that's something to bear in mind as well. And of course, we know managing our stressors. So not, I suppose it's not always easy to completely reduce our stress, but finding stress reduction strategies, what works for you. So everybody's going to be different. So for me personally, it's journaling. I love journaling in the morning, journaling in the evening. I'm not a meditation person, but I know some people that absolutely swear by it. Going for a walk, meeting a friend, like really scheduling like self-care practices for yourself. So I would say to clients, schedule your self-care like you would a dental appointment, like have it in your diary so that because inevitably things are going to get in the way it's not easy to schedule those kind of things so have in your diary like you would a dental appointment and really just give yourself that time to 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 relax chat to me about the importance of carbs in a diet so again everyone and we see it with our own clients obviously it's not something that we do but we see it a lot which is they reduce carbohydrates uh they it'll be keto it'll be intermittent whatever it may be but one of the key things that will get dropped will be carbs we need carbs in our diet. They're really important. We bang on about it every year in the podcast and professionally, absolutely. We talk about it all the time. Really important for, for female health too. Absolutely. Yeah. So carbs will essentially um, bring down our cortisol levels. So when we are like fasting or when we haven't eaten carbs, especially in the morning, our cortisol and our adrenaline, which are like our stress hormones are elevated. And what can bring those, those hormones down essentially is carbohydrates. The other thing is that carbohydrates are really important for our thyroid function. So we know the thyroid function is really, really closely related to our fertility as well. And having suboptimal thyroid function can be like, can be a cause for infertility and can also be a cause for early miscarriage. So that's definitely something to bear in mind. Carbs are by no means the enemy and I think like one of the reasons that low carbohydrate diets are so popular is because you inevitably I suppose when we cook carbs from our diet we know that carbohydrates are stored in our muscle in the form of glycogen and glycogen will tend to hold on to water so inevitably in the first week that you follow a low carbohydrate diet you're going to deplete your muscles of that glycogen of that carbohydrate and with that comes the water that it'll be holding on to so that's why low carbohydrate diets tend to give that that really, really fast results. And people are like, God, this is working out really, really well for me. And um, so I think that's why they tend to have such a good name. But obviously, 
whether even if you're not I, I suppose an, an athlete but I suppose everyone who goes to the gym is concerned with their performance and they want to do well in the gym and they want to push on but we know from the research that or we know from sports physiology that we will burn carbohydrates in our high high intensity interval or our high intensity exercise so if you you'll know yourself if you've ever gone to the gym and you're depleted of carbohydrates you haven't had carbs in the last couple of days properly you will feel absolutely dead so it's so important for performance as well key tips for somebody starting out uh it's the final question i'm going to ask you because every, every time we have a really good guest on people make changes they want to improve their life and i often ask people for their top say three tips and it's a horrible question to get i, I understand that but still it's, um, they're nice simple takeaways for people to take from the episode yeah so i would say um the first one would be don't exclude foods and don't exclude food groups they're all important and then i think as well if we exclude a list of foods we're essentially like kind of tagging different foods as good and bad like almost like foods have a moral value and we feel like okay well if i eat chocolate therefore i'm bad when that's absolutely ludicrous so when we kind of attach that those tags to food it's really really distressing and when we go for a food that is essentially on the forbidden list we almost feel like a failure and then you feel guilty and then you restrict and then you binge again so it's really like results in this vicious cycle and this is something that we see really really often and the other thing would be I know this sounds so cliche but you have to see it as a lifestyle change so a great way of knowing if a diet is for you, is, is the right diet for you, is if you ask yourself, how would I feel if I was told that I had to stick to this diet for the rest of my life? And most people will turn around and say, well, God, like I wouldn't be able to stick to this for the rest of my life. It's too restrictive. So if you feel like you wouldn't be able to stick to this for the long term, then it's not for you. It's not sustainable. Um, so that would be a big thing. Um, another one would be don't have an end goal in mind. Um, again this kind of ties into seeing it as a lifestyle change so when we have an end goal in mind we almost like are ramped up by willpower and by motivation but motivation and willpower are fleeting resources they're never going to be around full time so it has to be very much I suppose behavioral change and very small habits as we go along and again that kind of that kind of brings me on to the next one which is small changes so even if you could just change one to two habits a week if you do that over the course of 12 weeks you've changed so much over the course of 12 weeks so start small and um see it as a lifestyle change would be my advice great content and great tips if people want to find you on instagram or online where can they find you uh so it's the fit clinic on instagram or the fit clinic.e as is our website fantastic michelle thank you so much for joining us today we really appreciate it folks that's it for another episode of real health with me carl henry in association with leia healthcare you know where we are at carl henry pt on instagram and real health at independent.ie we really hope you enjoyed today's episode and we'll see you very soon it's long go full leia healthcare looking after you always proud sponsors of real health with carl henry